Eleanor, Eleanor Roosevelt said, the future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of their dreams. It's a great quote. But I'm not a big fan of dreams. You know, uh, nighttime dreams, even naptime dreams, like they're, they're really, they're, they're kind of strange and, and weird and uh, confusing. And, and they're, they're always hard to get hold of, you know, once you wake up. Like I'll wake up in the morning and, and my wife Chan will be sitting there with her coffee and she'll say, did you sleep good, honey? I was like, no, it was, it was awful. Like I dreamed all night. And she's like, oh, well, well, what did you dream about? And I'd be like, I have no idea, but it was awful. Um, so I had this dream that I do remember though, and it's a recurring dream and it happens all the time, usually on a, a, a Friday night, and like it's Sunday morning, and it's somewhere in the world. You know how dreams are, and there's a large crowd gathered. It's like a, a record crowd, and it's time for the sermon. And so I climb up into the pulpit, only to discover that there's no sermon. Like I forgot to write a sermon. It's awful. I was talking to Becky and she says she has the same dream. Like she'll show up here at church and realize that it's her turn to preach and she didn't know it. Or she, she shows up and like, I'm not here. Like nobody can find me. And, and Michael comes to her and says, Becky, uh, nobody can find Keith. So you're on for the sermon. <laughs> like, like dreams can be awful. It's more like a nightmare. But you know, sometimes they really are sweet. You know, like after mom tucks you into bed and she kisses you on the forehead and she says, good night, honey, sweet dreams. And you do have a sweet dream. Like it's the bottom of the ninth. It's the World Series. We're down three to nothing. And you hear the, the uh, announcer, uh, bases are loaded. You hear the announcer say, now stepping to the plate, it's Keith Terman. The crowd goes wild. You step to the plate. You, you give the pitcher a little stink eye. And then you smash the inside fastball over the left field wall. Grand slam. You win the World Series. The crowd's going nuts. The champagne bottles are popping. And then you, you realize that the roaring of the crowd is really your uh, alarm clock going off. But it's a beautiful dream. I, I know that that's not the kind of beautiful dream that Eleanor Roosevelt was thinking about. Um, I, I really think she was talking about those, those daytime dreams. I love daytime dreams. That's when you're dreaming with your eyes wide open. And, and I think that's what, what Paul has in mind too um, in, in our text for today. Like his dream for us is that we would dream. So um, in, in verse 13, ver verses 12 and 13, Paul says, Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, some of you may have heard this before, like um, teachers will tell you, as it relates to Bible study, 
Whenever you see the word therefore, then you need to see what it's there for. <laughs> and I've always thought that was kind of cheesy, um, but it's actually a really good practice. So when I came to our text, um, our, our text for today, um, and, and the first word was therefore, like I immediately went to the beginning of the chapter to see what that was all about. And, and when you begin reading just prior to our text, Paul says to the church, do nothing from selfish ambition uh, or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Uh, let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. And then he kind of shares this song or this poem that, that is essentially, um, let your mind and Jesus' mind be exactly the same. And, and then he reminds us that Jesus, even though he was God, bore the cross, emptied himself, and became a servant. So, so that's like the context of, of our passage. Uh, the, the, that's what Paul has just said. And now he says, Therefore, my beloved, work out your own salvation, for it's God who is, who is at work in you, um, enabling you to will and to work for God's good pleasure. Now, th this, this Greek word that's translated, uh, God enables us to will uh, and to work, this, this will, thelo is, is the Greek word, and it means um, to will or to want uh, or to desire. So what Paul is saying is, is like God is working in our dreams, in our desires. God is um, stirring us and, and delighting us and, and maybe even disturbing us to these kind of things. God does that sort of thing. God always has. In Genesis chapter 12, God approaches Abraham. Abraham is old and tired and childless. And God says, go outside and look at the stars. Your family is going to be like that. And God says, because of your family, all the families of the earth, all of them, are going to be blessed. And in Exodus chapter 3, um, Moses is, is on the mountain with God. It's the fire conversation, you know, where God says to, to Moses, I am deeply disturbed. God's heart is disturbed because God sees what's happening to God's people. Abraham's kids, uh, 400 years of slavery in Egypt. And God puts this, this passion and this dream uh, in Moses' heart to go and deliver them. And 16 chapters later, uh, Moses is on the mountain again with God. And at the foot of the mountain, uh, in, in the hot and dry uh, wilderness, uh, are the Israelites. And God, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're tired and hot and desperate and homeless. And, and God says to, to Moses, uh, see how uh, I bore you and delivered you on eagle's wings, and I brought you to myself. And then God says, 
you are to be for me uh, a, a priestly kingdom, a holy nation. Like God begins to, to stir this vision about what the people are to be. Um, and, 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 and what that means is, is that because Israel, because they're God's people, to, to be priestly and, and to be holy means that, that whenever any family of the earth encounters them, it'll be like, whoa, this is too good to be true. Like never in our wildest dreams did we think that it would be this good. And in our text today, like as I read it and just sat with it, I, I realized that there's this, this dream burning in Paul's heart too. Like he's writing all these letters to churches because he has this passion for, for, for what the, the, the church should be, you know. And, and, and in verse 16, you know, he, he's, he says, you know, in, in encouraging the Philippian church, and he says something like, um, you know, uh, if, you, if you hold to the word of life, you know, like if, if you do this, like, not be selfish and, and not just be concerned about your own interest and, you know, be, be concerned about the interest of others and so on. Like, if you'll hold to that truth, then he says, then I will know that I haven't run in vain because you will reflect Jesus and you will be leaving footprints that, that matters. That's what was burning in him, that the church would be this group that, that whenever the world encountered the church, it would just be amazing, sweet dream, you know. So, uh, this acronym STRIDE, um, we have been looking at um, and talking about how can we hit our stride, how, you know, how can we leave footprints that matter. And like, I think especially, you know, uh, coming off of COVID, um, you know, we've been inactive some and we, you know, we've just, you know, we got to shake the, the rust off or the dust off and, um, so, look, how can we be at our best? How can we be the church as the church is intended to be? And so we've, we've talked about discovering our spiritual gifts and our, our, what are our talents um, and our, the resources that God has entrusted us with. We've, we've talked about um, last week our, indivi our individuality. This is how God has uniquely wired us. And, of course, today um, we're, we're talking about our dreams. And so... I want to read a, a quote from the class that I'm teaching, um, Serving from the Heart, uh, discover, Finding, Discovering Your Gifts and Talents for Service. It says, God cares about every need that exists on earth. God does not want anyone to be hurting or sick or alone or lost. God counts on us to be God's hands and voice in this broken world. But God knows that we, as individuals, can't possibly care about every need. For that reason, much like a parent dividing household chores among children, God places a dream, a desire, a passion, a calling in each of our hearts. So the question that we talk about today is, what dream has God put in my heart? What dream has God put in your heart? And that's not always 
an easy question to answer. I was driving to the beach one year and it was late. Like my wife Chan and I, we, we were pretty much done by nine o'clock at night. And we just decided we would drive to the beach vacation and meet up with family until we couldn't drive anymore and then we would stop along the way. Well, I put Tom Petty's greatest hits on the CD and I just kept going. I look over and she's totally crashed and snoring, but, but a beautiful little snore. And Tom Petty's songs just kept me going. And, and as I listened to these songs, I began to hear the gospel in them. And, and one of my favorite songs, and especially on that trip, uh, was Running Down a Dream. And, and, and Petty, you know, he talks about um, our, our dreams. They're, they're mysterious and, and they're elusive. But in this song, he, he talks about the possibilities that are out there. Like when the sun is shining or when it's been raining for three days and it doesn't seem like it's ever going to stop raining. It's like there's something down that road uh, that, that's going to be good. And so I realized that, that Tom Petty and the Apostle Paul, they're saying exactly the same thing. These dreams, we, we have to run it down. We got we to work it out. And so there are a couple of questions um, that can help us with that. And I think, you know, to, to find quiet space, uh, a prayerful space where the Holy Spirit can, um, can, can stir us and, and nudge us. Uh, maybe we even ask a, a family member, a spouse or a child or a favorite uncle or a friend, um, what is it that you see in me? When you think about me, what comes to mind? What are our passions? What are the things that we desire the most? And so in my journal, I might uh, just write out the question, what delights me? What makes my heart sing? You know, Howard Thurman said, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do that because what the world needs is people who have come alive. And I'm amazed at how just pausing and, and, and just to start thinking about that, like what really gets me going? especially when I think about ministry stuff and about how I'm going to serve and, and, and be like Christ and, and make a difference. And I realize that I, I get really pumped up when I'm with other people, when I'm with the crowd. Uh, I love putting on a tool belt and, you know, uh, helping with a, with a habitat house or on a mission trip, building a ramp. Um, you know, I love being in the dirt and gardening. I love the idea of growing food for, for people who might be hungry. So like when you do that, what are the things that, that just really get you excited um, that, that are in your, in your wheelhouse, you know, like the stuff we've been talking about, uh, the gifts that you know that you have, um, your personalities and, and the way that you're wired, like how does all that fit together into this, to this dream for, for God's kingdom that, that can come true? Another question that, that we can ask, I think write it in a journal. Um, what is it that disturbs us? What is it that makes me restless and, and even angry? That, that moves me to compassion or sadness? You know, like, is it uh, children in poverty? Is it friends that we see who are really struggling with, um, with, with over-the-counter drug abuse? Uh, is it homeless friends who, you know, you see them after a, 
uh, the morning after just horrific rain, and, and you, you think about what their night might have been like. Um, you know, is it the racial injustice that just keeps rearing its ugly head? Like, is it, you know, we're disturbed by our United Methodist denomination, like this, this potential division that's coming because we can't come together on including all people uh, in, in, in God's embrace. What are the things that, that move us and dis disturb us? Those are the ways that God works in our dreams. It pushes us to being this church uh, that fulfills God's dreams. When I was in seminary, I had a class. It was a missions class. Dr. Thomas Tongaraj was the professor. And he... One day he was talking about students who really become stressed out about this, this sense of God's call. Like there would be students who would come to seminary that hadn't felt that, uh, necessarily felt this strong call to be a pastor. They, was, they were just drawn and they were just curious. And um, he, he, he said, you know, um, don't be stressed to students that were you know, like wanting an experience like Moses, like the, the bush is burning and the voice is booming and, and uh, God calls you to this thing. Or, or even like to have a, such a Jesus moment like, like the Apostle Paul had, that it, that it knocks you off your horse and then all of a sudden the light bulb comes on and, and the, your, your future life and vocation is, is completely clear. So in this whole realm of... Um, running down this dream that God has for us. He's like, he's like just, just don't, be, don't be stressed. Think about what you want to do for the kingdom, anything, and just do it. It's time to get on. It's time to get going. It's time to dream. Amen.